0: Hi, I'm Kevin Riome and you are listening to Improv Nerd with Jimmy Corain.
1: Jimmy, Jimmy Corain, Jimmy Corain's a nerd, Jimmy Corain's an improv nerd, Jimmy Corain's a nerd.
2: Hey everybody, this is Jimmy Corain and you're listening to another episode of Improv Nerd sponsored by the good people at Pan Theater in Oakland. Now, if you're in the San Francisco Bay Area and you're looking to get your improv fix in, you gotta check out Pan Theater's Improv Dojo drop-in class. It is fun. It is a great chance to learn and laugh and play. And also be sure to check out Pan Theater's quarterly audition for house teams, Awkward Face, Liquid Mind, and Sunday Brunch. All you have to do is go to their website, pantheater.com, for details. Now, Pan Theater has been bringing improv goodness to the San Francisco Bay Area since February of 2002. That's over a decade of giving you great improv instruction and improv shows. All you need to do is go to pantheater.com for current shows and class schedules. But wait, there's even more. Pantheater offers master-level improv workshops with leading guest instructors, including me, Jimmy Corain, the host of The Improv Nerd. Now, if you want to check out that, who's coming into town to teach these workshops, all you need to do is go to pantheater.com for upcoming master-level workshops. You are really going to love this episode. Our guest today is master teacher and improviser Kevin Rion. Now, Kevin teaches at the Second City Training Center here in Chicago, and we talked to Kevin about uh, how he started in improvisation and how improvisation is not a straight line and how he quit and moved back home with his parents, and uh, how insurance actually got him back into the game. We talked to him about the I.O. Chicago, and when he was starting out there, he worked with two people, Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, who've gone on to be Amy Poehler and Tina Fey. We also talked to him about what he loves so much about teaching improvisation. You are going to love, love, love this episode. Before we get to the interview with Kevin, I just wanna say this. Um, If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that my wife, Lauren, and I have been trying to get pregnant. And we are now taking a two-month sabbatical because um, the last couple weeks, she's gotten a cyst on her thyroid. So uh, she's gonna get it checked out Monday. I have to say I'm a little scared about it. And the, the thing is, don't go on the internet. If you have anything, don't go on the internet. Before you go to the doctor, because she comes back and she says, I have a 14% chance of getting cancer. So I, I don't need to need to hear that because I worry enough in my life. So um, I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm going to share it with you anyways. Um, when we went to the fertility doctor like six months ago, eight months ago, or probably over a year ago, uh, my, my sperm, the size of my sperm was off. My swimming rate was really good. The motility rate was Okay. But it was the shape that was off. So what I had to do is I had to stop uh, putting the computer on my lap, sitting in hot seats in cars, the heated seats, taking a shower, all of that stuff. And the hardest thing is the sauna. When I go to the health club, I cannot sit in the sauna. Well, it's gotten really cold here in Chicago, and I figure we're on a two-month sabbatical. So yesterday, when I was at the health club, and I actually worked out, I just didn't go into the sauna, which is what I usually do. I went and I sat in the sauna for 20 minutes, and I feel shamed because I haven't told her yet. I'm kind of holding on to that secret. So I just wanted to share it with you. Um, so that's it. I, I think I'm, I'm pretty clean. Uh, let's go. Here it is the Kevin Riome episode. You are going to love it. So you're backstage and you're like, I'm nervous. I'm going to go out the back door. Are you nervous? A little
0: bit. What are you nervous about? I don't know. I don't know. I, I uh, you know, I invent uh, things to be nervous about.
2: What are you uh, inventing right now? Like what's uh, the worst scenario?
0: That, that I, you, know, um, you know, one time I was in a speech class, and I skipped one of my cards in, in college, and then everything I said didn't make sense. And then I stopped, and all I could see in my brain was white. I could feel my pulse come up through my throat. I don't know, something like that. Like if I just like stop and I go like, you know, there's that one time and then I forget what I was going to say and then I just sit here.
2: Have you like planned out, like a lot of times when I do stuff, like I plan out it's going to go a certain way and I'm, I want to say this. And we, you know, we had a very lengthy pre-interview. Do yeah. you have a lot of that going in your head?
0: Um, a little bit, a little bit. You know, I, there's part of me that w- wants to make sure we steer the ship away from boring stuff. Okay. You know. Why don't you leave that up to me? Okay. All right. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So
2: you grew up in Michigan. Yeah. Okay. And you dabbled a little bit in theater, but but not really. Not really. No. Uh, You were in the chorus of Hello Dolly. Yes. Uh, Then your junior year in college, you you win free tickets to see the Cubs play. Yes. You. It's box tops. Box
0: tops. Free tickets uh, to come and and see the Cubs, and uh, and then I saw Second City on that same weekend. Just because I didn't. I heard that I was supposed to. I knew nothing about it. It's hilarious. Okay. So <laughs> then I, I went and sat right up in the front, you know. Um, Did
2: you think people were going to, like, heckle you?
0: I thought, yeah, I thought, oh, we're in trouble. We are right on the, st-. you know, how you sit kind of sideways. Stage is right there. And uh, I thought they were going to get us. And, um, <laughs> and it was, uh, you know, it certainly wasn't that. And it was Steve Carell and um, Rubano, John, John Rubano, John Rubano. Yeah. And, uh, and I was just blown away, had no idea. They
2: did like an improvised song or something?
0: The improvised song, yeah. You know, they get a couple ideas out of the, uh, out of the audience and then do an improvised song. I'd never seen that in my life. And, um, and you know, and that's the thing. is like the suggestion uh, is used in the song. Oh, my gosh, they are improvising this. I know it seems ridiculous, but like that's why we ask for suggestions to some extent, I mean, to keep it fresh, but also to prove that this is not scripted. Uh, and, and they did it so beautifully, I was just like, this is unbelievable.
2: And you have a thought why it's going down, why you're watching this. What What is going on in your head after the show? Uh,
0: I, I think at that point, because I was still in college, um, but at that point I thought, like, gosh, I want to do that, but immediately came up with all the reasons why I can't, uh, you know, and just like real reasons like, oh, I'm not here, I'm not in Chicago, I'm, uh, I, there are no classes. These guys are just gifted, talented, and went through college doing this, and I'm ready to graduate with uh, an English major and a, a, uh, with a secondary ed emphasis and, and all that. So I just thought like, oh, well, this, I can't do it. No, it stinks, you know, and, and then that's that.
2: And then after college you move here to Chicago. Right. And you started taking classes at the Second City, the A through E program, which right. is like the beginning improv program. Yeah. And one of your teachers was a teacher that I had that I learned a lot from was Martin Demott. Yeah. Just an amazing teacher. Yeah. And he said something that I never picked up in my teaching nor in my life. And he said repress your negativity. And I wish I would have heard that. I'm sure he said it like a right. hundred times, and I was—it just went over my because head. Because you weren't repressing hard enough. No, I wasn't repress—I was repressing.
0: You're you fostering negativity. Yes, I was, fo- and
2: I still am, Kevin, and I'm doing a damn good job. Of um, what did he mean by that? I wish I would have listened.
0: Yeah, you know, and uh, it, it, to me, it was—it was um, it would repress your negativity. The voices in your head that tell you all the things you can't do, or, uh, you know, I'm not tall enough, I'm not good-looking enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not funny enough. All those voices of doubt, and I kind of think that that is your path to becoming a better improviser, is when you are in control of the voices, you can push them aside, and because what they are is, is noise. When you're trying to improvise, you're trying to create uh, when you're a younger, nervous improviser, you've got this noise in your head that is in the way of you getting to the good stuff that you know you can get to. That when you're just sitting having a beer with your friend, you're like, "Oh my God, I'm the funniest guy in the world!" But when you get up on a stage, you're like, "I, uh, purple," <laughs> you know. And uh, um, how do you do that? How does Kevin
2: repress the negativity?
0: By aging. I, I, I just think that like as I get older, I. Just care less and less uh, about those voices. Those voices come what calling. What do some of your voices say,
2: say? What do you come? Some
0: of your voices say, "Oh, that was dumb. Don't say that. Why? You, oh my God! Everyone's looking at you oh. when you're improvising." Uh, I afterwards? think they used they used to. Right? They used, there used to be those, those things. Uh, um, you know, like at, at I O, feeling uh, feeling out the audience and just going like, "Oh, that was dumb. Oh, what a dumb thing. Oh my God! I, I've got nothing for this thing." And, you know, that's the whole, that's the other thing, is being comfortable not knowing, being comfortable with nothing. That's hard. We all want to have, we all have defense mechanisms. We want to have a few, uh, you know, rounds in the chamber uh, and to uh, be in freeze tag and go, freeze! And then go like, I got nothing, I got nothing. I've got goddamn nothing, you know? And then they just go in there, like, I love doing that now, but I know back then I'm like, oh, I'm going to wait until that guy puts his other arm up because then I have something really good. Man, somebody should yell freeze, though. <laughs> you know? And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't care about that so much. And, you know, it's, it's the the idea that um, maybe the less you know, the more fun it is, the more possibilities there are. I'm starting to realize that back when, uh, you know, I used to believe in, canned thoughts to canned the stage. Canned thoughts, meaning you would... You, something prepared, something in my would head. Would you do it during the day? No, no, no. I, I, uh, I think that was my perception, canned thoughts. I thought that other people were, you know, you know boom, boom, bring up this brilliant idea, and then get it on the stage. I'm like, oh, why can't I do that? Why, can't, why don't I have something like that, smart and political, ready to go in my head? Oh, I don't. I get up there and I stammer. You know, um, and I think uh, uh, I, I, there was a time back then where, um, you know, we're on a house team at Inside Vladimir. I know I'm jumping ahead, but we're on a house team at this at, is IO at, at, at IO, and um, and I just feel like I'm I'm riding the top wave. Like we are cruising. This is a a, a great place to be, and um, ah, let's go see comedy sports. Let's see what these Jags do. And having no idea really what comedy sports was, except like, oh, here they do short form. They do games there. And so I went in in uh, with a very snobby attitude. And you're just watching it. Just just to watch. Or judging. Judging. Right. And, and, uh, and, And, you know, halfway through, I am laughing my ass off going like, this is unbelievable. And I'm not good enough to do that. You know, like, like just, I, that's not my thing. Like, my, maybe my thing was just slower, artsy, develop, character, emotions. And uh, am I that good to come up with, like, a brilliant line like that? No, and that has to be respected. Like, that is top-notch. So after that, I'm like, oh, you got to check out comedy sports. I became, like, this comedy sports commercial, <laughs> you know? Got to check out comedy so, sports, so good.
2: Um, you're at the A3E program, and mm-hmm. then uh, Tina Fey, Is in your level C class, right? Right, level A class. That's where we started. What was Tina Fey like back then?
0: Uh, She would, you know, she was caustic. She would, uh, she would do the little whispers about other people, you know, to me, and um, and that was fun. And she, I think she still does this, where she uh, mouths words across a room so you can get it like i uh, uh I introduced her to a friend of mine, and she didn't like that friend, and she goes like <laughs> I was like, Why would you say that she's right there? oh god you know like sh- uh, she was very uh very judgmental, but uh it, at the time it was good to be on that side of the fence with her uh, making fun of all the other you know terrible people but um so yeah she was a she was a little caddy that way, and i i uh um, and that's maybe what made her fun.
2: You know, I had talked to a friend of, uh, who who also was uh, around the same time, and he said n- everyone knew Tina was very talented. She was a, a good writer and, and she was a good performer, but n- no one thought she was. I mean, because she, she was she looked much different than she does today. Yeah. that she wasn't more. Uh, she wasn't gonna. She wasn't gonna be more on camera. She, everyone knew she was gonna be a great writer and a great right. behind-the-scenes person. Did you f- have that same feeling?
0: I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know if I thought of it that way. Um, I don't know if I thought of it that far ahead. You know, I, I don't know if I, I thought so far to say, like, she's so good, she's going to make it here and there. I, um, maybe sometimes you get, you, know, you get too close to somebody, and you just go like, I don't know, they're just always going to be here. Uh, and then suddenly you go like, oh my gosh, SNL hired her? That's awesome. Um,
2: but you I, were also, inside Lederberg and also had Amy Poehler. Yeah. You know, and what, w- what was she like?
0: Uh, absolutely uh, real. Real in that uh, she would, um, and, and I, I think she is very unchanged. I think she is the same. Um, uh, she likes to just uh, speak her mind, you know, where, where uh, Tina might, you know, whisper something, Amy will say it. Uh, um, and um,
2: there was a story you were telling me about driving in the car once with her, and you were listening to some music.
0: <laughs> right. Well, it was right here. So across the street is um, that lacrosse shop, and that used to be I.O. That used to be Improv Olympic Belmont. They had that space, and they also had the Wrigley side on uh, on Clark in, in Wrigleyville. Uh, but it was there that I took a lot of cl- I took my classes with Dell there. I took my classes with Besser and Anna McKay and, and Sharna. And I remember pulling into that little parking lot with my car blaring um, Def Leppard. And, and I kind of thought, like, I'm nailing it. Like, this is, I mean, it was like old Def Leppard. It was not in at the time, but I still thought, like, yeah, man, Def Leppard. And, and I get out, and she goes, Ryome, are you listening to Def Leppard? He's listening to Def Leppard. And just freaking let me have it. And I'm like, oh. And she, so she would do that every once in a while. I remember like, writing notes. I was in a class, and I was writing notes. And she goes, oh, my God, look at Ryum. Look at, he, he makes mistakes and scribbles it out. I'm like, everybody doesn't make mistakes when they write. I make mistakes like every other word. Um, but so, yeah, she would, she would tear in. And then you. you
2: guys would go to the movies every once in a while, and that was always a surprise. Right? Yeah,
0: she would do a, um, uh, maybe this happens. You probably have a friend who does this, where you make plans to go do something. And then you show up to go do it, and they brought a friend, and you just go like, okay, you know, I, this, I know this wasn't a date. This wasn't a date, but like, who's that dude? Like, my whole dynamic has changed. Like you said, like you know, sometimes you, point, you, you know, uh, maybe planning an interview is different, but when you're planning to see somebody, let's say you walk, you know, five blocks to go meet your buddy, and you're probably in your, I, I know I am, in my head going like, well, what are you going to talk about? Oh, ask him how Thanksgiving was. You know, <laughs> oh, you start like thinking, what, what, uh, what do I have to tell? Him? Oh, I, you know, I went uh, here. I went to Iowa. I should tell him about that, right? So you know, you get your yourself prepared for just one-on-one polar, and then you get some jag there too, and you go like, uh, I guess I'll just sit here and not talk.
2: And then she would say to you, "Give me a call at the end, yeah. right?" That was yeah.
0: So that was the. Uh, uh, I wonder if she still does that. I don't know if she still does it, but there are those friends who need to bridge the gap. Between now and the next time, they can't—they cannot live with goodbye and just like floating into the darkness. They need—they need like um, uh, so you know. I'll see you next Tuesday at rehearsal or whatever, or um, when there isn't anything like that. Polar would say, uh, "So uh, you know, call me tomorrow." And I go like, "Okay." <laughs> and then like one time, I did, and she's like, "So what's up? What do you—what do you need?" I'm like. I don't know. I'm calling you. <laughs> I, there's nothing to talk about. I have no news, so I'll let you go. And, I, and then she, I mean, and that wasn't the last time she'd say, call me tomorrow, but I never did. I, could learn, learn, a lesson. I learned yeah. my lesson. There's now, nothing to talk about.
2: I, 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 I am totally obsessed with people's success and people's fame. Uh, and and my wife ta- kills me I for I want to talk about this with do you. Do you? Yeah. What do you want to talk about?
0: Uh, uh, first of all, first of all, I... Um, a couple years ago, you did Rosowski's podcast. Yes, and I um, I was training for the Shamrock Shuffle, which is an eight k. It's five miles. Okay. Um, I listened to that podcast, you and and Dave. R- yeah. Dave, talking. So running and just listening to that, and it was just such a fun power struggle of uh, yeah. of like uh, Dave is all positive, yeah, yay, yeah, rah, rah, Jimmy. Yeah, and you're like. No, Jimmy. No, no, Jimmy. Yes, Jimmy. No, right? And and uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, he's just so on your side, and he right. just kept saying, "You, are Jimmy, fucking Kareem." Right. And 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 actually, you know, there's there's a little there's a little bit of of uh, that in me. The Eeyore, I, you know, is in there as well. Shortly after that, he asked me to do his podcast. And I almost said no. I almost said no because I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Uh, 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 Stephen Colbert, Brian Stack, Jimmy Corain, Susan Messing, me? I cannot bear to see my name on that iTunes list. And uh, but then then the other then actually the Rosowski side of me said like, no, you're doing it. Who cares? Um, But you talked about it then about the about the hierarchy about about the people making it. Uh, you know uh, um, uh, above you or doing better than you and uh, and I, I just think it's an interesting thing I think I, think
2: I, I mean like, like and I don't know if I s- I've said this on this podcast like Tina's success I mean I'm better with it but I am jealous of a lot of people's success like her success you know I had a roommate Dave Koechner, you know, yeah. I was su- jealous of his success yeah. um, it's very hard to be comfortable
0: where, th- where I'm at you know yeah. do you ever feel that uh, I, maybe I used to a little bit, but I think there is, um, I think we all know, as improvisers, I think we all know where we are on this hierarchy, to some extent. And, and I'm, I, I think, I think I'm okay with it, because I Where can, are I, you on
2: it, in I, your head? Uh,
0: I'm, I'm several notches below you, if that makes you feel better. Okay. I am. Okay. There's no question. Um, I'm, you know, I'm on the level where, uh, you know, it'd be great if, uh, uh, somebody invited me to do Armando. I'm not on that level. I'm not in that club, you know. Uh, um, and I don't know if that's a political thing. I don't, I don't actually think it is. I think it's like you got to be that good, and sometimes I'm that good, or maybe I'm not that visible. But, um, uh, yeah, I think there's definitely, uh, you're definitely above me and the messings, and, the, and anyone who's doing Armando is... is uh, How many
2: people are above
0: me? Well, then, but then there's, there's like this other shelf, there, you know, so there's, there's probably only a few people above you in Chicago, but then we get outside of Chicago, and, you know, if they're writing for Key and Peele or Conan or they're on 30 Rock or, you know, like, obviously, that's, they're above you.
1: <laughs>
0: not, a, not as an improviser, but uh, as a person. No, as a...
2: <laughs> and, that's how, that, that, and that's how my head fits. I, I know, I know. Mean, if somebody's writing for a TV show, they're a better person. They're doing something yeah. better. What I ask myself, what am I doing wrong? That's
0: where I go. I say, I say, would I be happy doing that job? Hell no. You know, like would I be, would I be ha- I mean, Brian Stack is doing great at, at Conan and he's been there for years and I I'm sure he loves it. And you know, maybe not every day, but he loves it. Um, what if I was doing that? I love
2: it. I don't. Don't, know if don't, I would. don't you want the opportunity to do it for a couple weeks and say, you know what, I quit. I didn't like it. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> would really nice. know, that would like, be nice. You know, nice. You ma- million dollars isn't going to make you happy. Let me get the million dollars, and I'll tell you it doesn't. Right. Make me happy. Right. Right. So getting back to Tina and Amy. Yeah. Is if, if you got to analyze them, and I don't know if you're the t- as, as obsessed oh, yeah. with h- how they became successful, so successful. Yeah. W- was there a couple things that you saw, you know, now, in the rearview mirror, like? They did that, and I can see why they they're, they're where they're at.
0: Yeah, there was definitely drive, and um, uh, Tina was doing. I mean, Tina and I, we were both doing things six of seven nights of the week. But she was even doing more. She was doing um, dramatic plays, where she would be uh, uh, acting in a dramatic plays. She would be uh, writing, and uh, she would go to. I don't know if the place is still there. No exit up in Rogers Park, and it no. was kind of an open mic. It and was like she, a coffee house. Yeah, and she would sit there, and you know, I think other people would do poetry, and she'd sit there with a little book, and she'd kind of tell jokes out of it, and uh, and she kind of had a little following, and was you know doing re- really well. Um, so I I at one point pulled back and just said like I'm doing too much. I'm going crazy. I'm I'm. Um, Bubbling over with improv, and I need to pull it back, and that's because I don't think I I didn't have that eye in the prize. I was more like, "This is fun. I want to have fun with this. If it becomes a drag, I gotta. I can't do it." And uh, you know, you know, it's not like she ever said this. Like, man, I'm trying to make it, but she was in her head. I'm sure she was because she just kept working and doing something every day, um, and taking you know, w- when we auditioned for the conservatory at, at Second City, I made it in, and she didn't, right? So that's just a hurdle that meant nothing to her in the grand scheme of things. I'm sure it meant something to her at the time, but I don't think she said, like, Oof, maybe I shouldn't do this. I'm going to stop. You know, like, no, screw that. We all have to, you know, experience those, uh, those setbacks to, to get anywhere. And... Um, so I think uh, the drive of it and then also the uh, who you hang out with has something to do with it. So Tina was playing with uh, a team called Mr. Blonde, a house team, that they had asked her, they didn't have a girl, so she was a decent girl, come and play with us. And anytime she would come back from rehearsing with them or doing a show with them, she was that much better. You'd see different moves. Amy was doing the same thing. That's why I, I, I kind of can point my finger at, like, I think there's something to this. Amy was uh, hanging out, you know, she was dating Matt Besser at the time, and then um, doing stuff with the family, and actually the UCB. And, um, and she'd come back, and you know, there were, I do remember being on stage one time going, like, oh, my God, these girls are insane. Like, they're so good. I, where'd they come up with that? <laughs> um, and it... It almost sucks as an improviser to go like, where I don't know where she came up with that, uh, you know, like uh, uh, like I, almost like a, I you know had never done improv before, um, so I I think I think that stuff rubs off. So if the, if there's a lesson to learn, try to improvise with people who you know are better than you, <laughs> you know, because uh, 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 Peter Peter Gwynn was on our team, who
2: got an Emmy for writing for many seasons on the Colbert Report.
0: Right, right. So. Way before that, and I think he might have been in the tour at Second City at the time, but he was playing on our team and he'd rehearse with us. And that's, I, I just would watch him because he, he you know, had uh, the right moves. And I was trying to, like, oh, that, oh, that. Um, so, so that's helpful.
2: So you didn't get into, you got into the Conservative, Tina didn't, mm-hmm. but, but by the time you were ready to do, uh, it's a five level program, you decide at level four you're going to quit.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, that I think that was actually exactly where I felt like um, I had too much uh, improv. So I thought, like, I'll, I'll take this uh, term off and I'll come back. And, of course, I never did. So I never did finish the conservatory. I got to level four. I never did the level five show, which now is called level six.
2: And now you're teaching there.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> and you do something that I, I – th- there's no way – I would have the patience. You're, you and Brian Posen are like saints, and probably Jay Succo, because I don't know if he teaches the A program.
0: But he's equipped to. I don't I don't know if he does, but he could. Well, I, don't, could have I don't
2: have the tools to work with with the, the newbie people. I don't have the patience. <laughs> the patience. You do. What is it about working with the new people right off the boat, right from the suburbs, the people that are coming from the, the advertising <laughs> classes? You're dealing with the guy who thinks he's the funniest guy in college. Right. How do you do it? What do you like about it?
0: I I love uh, I love trying to hook them, trying to get them interested in my thing. I mean, I'm, you know, it's, I don't know, it's maybe like being one of those tour guides at a university. Everyone's checking out your university, and you're like, and here's our student center. But like, no, here's our student center. It's awesome. You know, I want you to go here. Uh, and I, I feel like uh, I've got this one class. I've got these... Uh, this two and a half hours for this level A class to make sure, let's see how many people I can get to come back next week and, and continue to uh, stay with it. Um,
2: and what's your secret to
0: hook them? I, uh, I, I make sure that we're not, it doesn't seem like we're doing anything. It seems like we're just playing, that we haven't started yet. You know, that, that we are uh, uh, just doing these exercises and games and that they lose themselves in that and realize an hour and a half has gone by and, like, why, what, what was I nervous about? I don't know. Have um, you ever done, you ever done uh, like, a, a TV interview or an on-camera interview? I, I, did, I did once. And I realized that um, uh, she, yeah, it was Marianne Ahern of NBC5, and she was interviewing me about the Rom Zombie show I did a couple years ago. But I sat in the chair, and she's like, Hey, how are you? Like, when did you start doing this show? I'm like, Oh, you know, I was thinking about it about a year ago. And I was like halfway through the interview when I realized the interview had started. You know what I'm talking about? Like she just caught me off guard and just started talking to me. And I thought we were just, you know, shooting the breeze. And I look over at the camera guy, and I'm like, oh, we're on. This is all, like, whoa, my God, what if I said something crazy during that time? Uh, but, uh, but that's what I, I feel, is, is to, to uh, kind of lull them into play and, um, and then kind of go, you know, backwards and say, like, hey, we did that because this re- uh, relates to doing an improv scene. That's what we do here at Second City. We do, uh, we do improv to generate material, but you've got to be able to do that improv scene. You have to do that two-person scene. Uh, successfully for that to be effective, um, so uh, but just you know, when when uh, level A is a, about uh, breaking down inhibitions and ensemble, it, it becomes easy. It, be, it certainly becomes easier for them because they are out there with their friends and these. And that's the other thing: can I make this uh, complete disparate uh, group be pals by the end? And yes, I know you know eighty percent of them are white males. In their twenties, but uh, from Leo Burnett. But um, <laughs> uh, 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 I used to teach the drop-in class, and so you get all kinds of just everybody, and um, and yeah, can I make them one cohesive group in two hours? That's my goal.
2: And so your goal isn't to
0: get them on Saturday Night Live, or what is your goal? My goal is, is so they uh, uh, they can have fun with it. So I. You know, it's almost like it sounds so cheesy to just say, like, I want them to have fun. Just want, just have fun. But I, I tend to think having fun doing improv answers a bunch of other things, takes care of other things. where are they? I, I, I think it is, uh, uh, for some people, it's just uh, uh, um, assertiveness. You know, being part of uh, this group, being able to uh, speak extemporaneously. Um, and I know that's, that's why a lot of people are there. They are, uh, they are from you know, a company or they are a, a teacher or a lawyer and they're tr- or a salesperson. They're trying to get better in those fields. Because you
2: had a, a student that you had taught in level A and then you came back, I think the sub, a level D class, and you were just blown away.
0: The, just the, uh, it was the whole class. So it was like when I walk into sub A level D class, just kind of, you know, blindly like, oh, I'll take this guy's all the D class. Walk in, I'm like, oh, hey, you guys were my level A class, and they're like, yeah, hi, and it's like, okay, let's let's do some stuff. Now it's level D. They've had some uh, uh, improv months under their belt, and then suddenly realizing, like, oh my God, you guys have game. Like all the you know weird jitters of of early on are gone, and I mean, and I know this sounds like like I'm shocked about it, but it was. I shouldn't be, because that's what we're there to do. You know, it's an improv school; you're supposed to get better. But uh, I was just like, "Wow, it works! What we do makes a difference." And and you know, to some to some extent, I think it is reps. I think there's a Malcolm Gladwell part of it of just the ten thousand. Yeah, hours. just getting up in front of people on a regular basis. But uh, you know, there are certainly things that are that we teach that are they can then apply and they can learn from and I, there was one guy who I had in level A, and he wrote me a, a letter in... Or a letter, yeah. <laughs> wrote a handwritten letter, put it in the mailbox. Uh, no, uh, uh, he wrote me an email and said that he... Uh, um, a note that I had given in the level A, he's kept as his mantra. What and was that note? It was, uh, be the guy that everyone else wants to play with. Right? That, that uh, like, when, when you step up, like, oh, I need two, uh, two volunteers, please. And, you know, he steps up that everyone else goes, oh, I want to be out there with him. Why? Because this guy gives you everything. He makes your idea look awesome. He's fun. He makes me, you know, he's, he's not going to tear me down, uh, be a, a negative character. He's going to lift me up and, and make it fun and give me stuff.
2: How do, you, how do you become that person? What are those important qualities?
0: Well, you know. To, to,
2: to be that person that you want to always play with.
0: I, I, I think a, a good way to train uh, again, kind of without, without, uh, without cognizantly uh, trying, it, and I tell my students this, go to improv jams, go take the drop-in class, especially the drop-in class, because what happens is, now maybe you're like in level C, level D, and then you take the drop-in class with somebody who is straight off the street, and I think, unless you're a jerk, your natural instincts kick in, oh, this person's brand new. I need to help that person. I need to make this person successful. I need to give this person the world. Um, we did a show uh, last night, and there was uh, Robin was, was in it, uh, where there were four teachers, and uh, each teacher asked a student, and they had a, a, a drawing so somebody could join us on stage from the audience. Um, I think that makes all of the uh, more seasoned improvisers play better. You know, there's, there's no pimping, there's no, like, oh, I know that, you know, you have a tough time doing a Russian accent, so I'm going to make you do one, so it'll, you'll look like an idiot and it'll be funny. No, like, we're here to make them uh, look good, support them, and make it easy. And then you start to realize, that's how I'm supposed to always play, right? And when you take care of that, uh, uh, I, think you start, I think you start to learn. I think you start to be that guy that everyone wants to play with.
2: Right, so I want to try that. I want to be the guy everybody wants to play with. Yeah. So we're going to do it because we're going to improvise now. Excellent. We're going to take a suggestion. So is, 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 what would you suggest for me? Because uh, I don't think we've ever
0: improvised together. No. Uh-uh.
2: I want to be the guy that everybody wants to play with. What, what, give me one or two qualities I need to have in this scene. Uh,
0: I, I think um, happiness. Positivity. Okay, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, you know I, I, took, I took a workshop. I still consider myself a student. I still take workshops. Um, and uh, there was a workshop I took in Austin, Jill Bernard from yeah, Minneapolis. She's like,
2: she, every pore of her body is happiness.
0: Exactly. She <laughs> did it. Her, the name of her uh, workshop was Play Happy. And and you know, for... what if you
2: can't do that in your life? <laughs> <laughs> Is that called acting? If you do I it on know, stage?
0: you know, may, maybe maybe play acting happy on a stage bleeds into your life. Maybe you maybe you just have I to don't portray want to hear this, that. Kevin. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. But her her workshop was just great. Of just you know, like wow, we do all these scenes where we just bag on each other and we're so negative and and uh, not to say that that's, a, that's the worst in the world, but it's nice to kind of. Okay, so I I hear, out of I hear happy. happy, and I'm like, okay, if
2: I do it, it's gonna be it's gonna come across as fake. <laughs>
0: that's right.
2: So I'm already in my head. Any, any pointers? Because I will play happy. Uh, oh gosh, I, I mean, I will do it begrudgingly, and I'll have a lot of <laughs> anger about it. But I will play happy. Okay, good. Okay, great. Good. That's it. That's great. I'm writing it down. Okay, so what do you want to do to start in terms of?
0: Uh, I I think um, let's do a 15 minute opening, maybe a. Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we'll sing. No, I think we'll just get a, a, a single word suggestion. And, okay,
2: okay. So, can we have a single go. word suggestion? Barnyard. Barnyard. Okay, barnyard. so when you hear barnyard, how do you break that down?
0: Um, I, yeah, I put myself in a barnyard. I, um, I mean, I like to say, like to say that uh, uh, recently I've been saying yes and yourself. I p- tell people yes and yourself. So when you think of that idea, don't go like, no, that's dumb. No. Yes, and it. Make it good. Make it right.
2: All right, so we're going to be in a barnyard. Is that? That's probably
0: it, yeah. Okay.
2: Well, you feel a little, like, ashamed about that decision. Because it's just
0: so obvious. You know, like, uh, it would be nice. The other thing I preach is going from A to C. Barnyard makes me think of this, which makes me think of that. Do the scene about that.
2: Okay, so barnyard makes you think of?
0: Animal, animal Farm.
2: And Animal Farm makes you think of George Orwell. And George Orwell would would then how what would you do with George Orwell?
0: Uh, uh, I, I do some kind of dystopian. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe just some kind of uh, uh, nineteen eighty four society. Okay. God, that's terrible. <laughs> All right, or not, or maybe I'm going to take Barnyard and make it go somewhere else.
2: Okay, well we'll we'll find out, right? Mm-hmm. That's in your head, and all, right, I'm gonna all I know is I'm going to be all I'm going to know is I'm going to be happy just for be the next happy. ten minutes.
0: <laughs> Casey, I, I got all the hay packed up on the, uh, in the truck. You yeah. are. Uh, I love this. You're gonna do it. Yes. You, I, I am gonna sign your work release form. I'm, I'm I got it right here, it. Reginald. I'm going to do it. You finally came around. Yeah. It was. I, it's been a journey for you. Yes, it has been.
2: But I, I, I've learned what I've had here on this work release. I'm really, really happy. I've taught so much. I'm gonna miss you, Reginald. I'm gonna miss you. You don't have to go. No, I could stay. I could stay. I, you know what? I, I'm a city person, but I'll tell you. After being around here, I'm like, you know what? I love animals. I love hay. I love everything about about the farm. Oh,
0: the animals love you. You can see it in their their whinnies and their bleeding. <laughs> Not their bleeding, but they're bleating. No, I know what you. I, I know. I know. I didn't get it for a while.
2: I love feeding those animals. I really do. They are. they I don't want really do. to leave. I really do. Good. Don't sign that then. Exactly! Give it to me. I'm gonna crumple it up. That's it. I'm staying! You're in! I'm staying! Yeah. Yes! Yeah. I'm staying. What? Oh, you
0: pushed me. Well. You pushed me away. I tried to go in for a second hug and you pushed back. <laughs> because I, I, I'm not used to that kind of affection.
2: I was a, I, I'm an orphan. I was abandoned as a kid. No one ever hugged me.
0: That's how, that's how you got into the trouble you got into. It's, it's okay. I ro- I'm Weed. sorry that I robbed that liquor store. I'm
2: sorry. We're past that.
0: Yes. It wasn't my liquor store. No. No. No,
2: and no one got killed. No one got killed. And I. And, and you know what? It was only four hundred dollars.
0: And you know what? I made restitution being here. You did. Yes. I mean, you have gone beyond four hundred dollars as far as being a productive part of this farm. I mean, the the the. the Hay bales and the and the milk that you've milked. It is beyond. I want to show you some what I did with the hay and the milk. Oh, look at this. You see the hay? It's I stacked it all the way up here. It is perfect. perfect. It's never been done so exquisitely. It looks fake. It is fake. What? <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't get it perfectly,
2: so I went to a store in the, in town and I got some fake because I didn't want to disappoint you.
0: That's fake Ah, hair. Oh, gosh. I am proud of you and disappointed at the same time. The ingenuity is great. The fact that we can't sell this is bad. But it's great. Thank you. Love that you're here. um, Thank you. And the milk. It's fake. Oh.
2: (laughs) I tasted it, and it tasted sour, so I didn't want to disappoint you. So I went, to the, I went to the same store, and I said, give me all the milk you have. And then I took the milk out of the cartons, and I put them into the, these, these tubs, so it looks like I, I milked the cows. No one's
0: going to know the difference. No. no, they Reginald, I disappointed you again. I know, but... I know, I know, I know. But I don't want you to exist in a way that you only want my approval. You have to be your own person sometimes. Great,
2: great! I am my own person. You're just doing anything I say. Yes, yes. I just want to God, be happy. God, that's I've been so miserable my whole life, and I, I've, not, and the last, I don't know, six weeks when I've been here, I've been, I get up in the morning and I just, I, I get on my knees and I pray and I thank God for this wonderful, wonderful life. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be <laughs> glad. I've been reading the Bible.
0: I'm a changed person. <sighs> This is great, I'm back to happy. Good! I'm back to, good. I'm proud of you. Good! Reading the Bible. You really are proud of me. I actually am proud of oh, you. Oh my god. The, you know, these are things. Things can be fixed. But you, you are good. You are on the straight and narrow. Yes. You are, you are happy. Are you, are you really happy? You yes, feel this, happy? Is not, this
2: is not fake happy. This is real happy.
0: You're not just saying that so you don't disappoint me. No! Okay. No,
2: I would never say that to disappoint you. I,
0: I, I feel this is genuine. I'm gonna fix your room. You're gonna fix my room? I'm gonna, fix, I'm gonna give no. you a real bed. I,
1: I don't, don't have, more have to hail. sleep
0: with the animals anymore. No more... That, is, that was never a room. Well, you told me it was a room. I, well, so you Did you comfortable. I, I bent the truth. You like my lie? I love lies. No, you never lied to me before. I, when I was a kid, I wished my parents would lie to me. You're an orphan. Uh,
2: that's, oh, a that's, that's a lie. That's a lie. I'm to you, yes. Everything's a lie. I do that to get attention.
1: <laughs>
2: I didn't rob a liquor store. What? No. I made this whole thing up. That form was just forged, just nothing. Yes, I made
0: that whole thing up. Just to be here. Yes. Who knows what's real? I don't know what's real anymore. I don't know either, but I'm happy. And And I'm happy. happy. You're
2: happy too, that's what's real. The happiness between us.
0: How do I never descend into madness? I don't know. Or sorrow, or disappointment. You just gotta block it out. I do. I do block it out. That is your room. The other room was a lie.
2: <laughs> you know what? I like it better. I know better. you do. I love it better. You know why? You love the animals. I love the animals. And I love waking up with, 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 with a cow under my arm and a pig at my feet, and the chickens wake <laughs> me up. Is... I, you know, I wouldn't know what to do with a room no. like this. It's got a bed, and yeah, it's got a, a real... pillow. We don't have that in no, the. That's in a the... Yeah, who wants a I don't even know what a cerda yeah. is. I
0: know it's a mattress. You... Like where I'm at. Wow, it's good to know that you like where you're at and to know where you are and to be comfortable with that. (laughs) Yeah, it's a life lesson. It is. I didn't think I would ever do this. I I used to want to be, you know, like the other dairy farmers. You know, I wanted to have the the big cartons and the, oh, the, the major oh, retailers. That's a
2: waste of time. I know. I,
0: you're comparing yourself to I know. each other.
2: You, that's not, you're never going to win that
0: way. No, you know when it changed? When I called myself an artisan. You are. You I'm are an totally an artisan. Once you make small batches, you're an artisan. You were a total artisan. Right. I can underachieve and continue to be an artisan. Yes. <sighs> I'm so this glad that, that
2: I, I made this whole thing up.
0: Like so yeah, i can come I, up so here and do this 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 work release thing. Here's the thing, you're very convincing, you're very really? believable. Yes, no one's ever said that. to I me know, you know, no
2: one's ever said that.
0: You know, uh, Judy Higgins, she runs oh, the community theater. I know Judy. You would be very good in Death of a Salesman. They're having you auditions. You should say
2: this. I've been
0: working on it. The really?
2: monologue, yes. When when when, when Biff. Right. Talk to his dad when he knows his dad is dying. Right. Yes. You could do that. I've been working on that.
0: I mean, Willie Loman kind of feigns happiness the whole way through that
2: yes. thing. Yes. See, people misinterpret that. They think it's a depressing play. But the way I do it,
0: it's there's <laughs> it's so <uplifting>. much hope. <laughs> it's so much hope. Right. Right. He releases his family of the burden that is him. Exactly. That's the hope.
2: Exactly. He's putting an act on for his family because he's really successful. That's
0: how I would play it. Right. And I mean, this the pretense that we maintain with one another is to maintain this happiness. It's
2: good. It's good. It yes, is good. I had to wait because I wanted your approval in your eyes. And when I saw you oh, it's do good. it. Yes. Pretense
0: is a good.
1: Yeah. Pretense we is lie great.
2: A I love. Pre- yeah. With lying. I'm not going to lie anymore. That's how I'm changing. Wow. That's it. I'm not going to lie. That. Because you know why? Because it's getting in the way of my happiness. And you know why I lied?
0: To avoid disappointment. Yes. Wow. Wow. So now. Everything is 100% truth.
2: I'm going to, from here on out, everything's 100% truth.
0: That's a tough, tall
2: order, my friend. Well, I am willing to walk in those moccasins.
0: I I cannot promise the same. (laughs) Nice. Nice. I, it just, I, I feel that you have taxed yourself. That you I'm now, exhausted. you now have like two days of of uh, sorrow and depression and and ne'er do wellness to to spread on the community. That was just like to, being
2: on ecstasy for about ten was, minutes. You,
0: it, gosh, but you're you know, commitment, commitment is huge, and your commitment to like, I'm gonna, and I, I but I would not. I, I wouldn't say that's out of your comfort zone. It's out of your comfort zone to maintain it that long and right. just to continue going. Like, whatever it is, I'm happy, happy, happy. Um, but you, you've played happy before. You've, you've well, it never
2: lasts that long. Not that long. It never lasts that no, long.
0: No, no. You find and we, I, we it, all towards find the
2: end, I was looking at you and I, I felt the scene was like, okay, I don't think we can go any farther. You know, we probably, if we went farther, we could have found it again. But it was like I looked in your eyes and I'm like, the, I just felt the energy. Had had was gone. Yeah. By the last.
0: Yeah, and and um, yeah, it was it was unnatural. Right. It, and and uh, uh, and that's good. That was a good ex- experiment in um, things need to transform. Things need to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and if if it uh, if it goes into uh, sorrow or <laughs> uh, uh, anger. Uh, or anything else that is—that's uh, welcome because we stay in that treadmill of happy too long. and it, 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 I think it gets boring.
2: Yeah, I think it did. I, I, I though it was kind of fun. I, I wish I had transformed it. I wish I would have had made a choice to transform it. But I—well, it
0: was an experiment. I think. I, right. So, so. Well, I, I we, do we feel shame
2: that I didn't <laughs> transform it.
0: <laughs> you don't need to. Feel uh, shy. Okay, Just an um, improv scene.
2: so so I would have transformed it. Would you have done anything differently?
0: Um, I don't know. I don't. Uh, gosh, it's so hard to, to rehash. You don't you don't like to rehash th- your scenes. Y- you know what? You know what? It. it uh, um, if I'm looking for my actual gauge to how improv went, I tend to think that when I can't remember what happened, that was good. So, we, we did a show last night and when it's immediately after, all I, all I do is I can experience a good feeling. Oh, it was a good show because I feel good. Uh, what did I do? I don't remember What are you feeling right it. now then? Good. Good.
2: Okay. And what do you, but, but you can't say, okay, I felt good because this or, or that. Uh, it's just a general feeling? Uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe, maybe the, the, the fake happiness has tricked our brains and maybe not yours Have you ever heard that thing of like if you smile even when you're not happy that your brain doesn't know that you're not happy it just registers happiness So if you just go like this even when you're like pissed off in traffic no no I'm happy (laughs) that that there are some kind of signals that get sent to your brain that will actually make you happy because our brains are that dumb (laughs) Uh, they, they believe it and and maybe to some extent the fact that we Played with such energy and and happiness, has tricked me into a euphoria that I'll beat myself up about tonight. Okay. No, but I I, I don't I don't think so. I, I uh, um, it's when I when I uh, have a, a poor performance or the I think the whole show was bad that I'm able to immediately start picking and go like oh I missed that edit oh he was talking about that and I thought he was talking about this damn it. Um, that, that that's that's uh, that's my gauge. If I forget, it'll come to me later. But then that's fine.
2: So it's like on a time release. It no, is on a time release. Like like ten thirty before you go to bed, you're like, oh yeah. yeah I yeah. wish I would have made that choice. I wish I would have made this. Yeah
0: choice. yeah exactly. Last night's uh, last night's show uh, was great. It was euphoric and it was uh, maybe this morning. I was like, oh no, there's that one fun thing. Oh then that happened. That was cool. Yeah. Because I'm,
2: like, right into the shame. I'm like, oh, I wish I would have transformed it. I wish, you know? Right. I go right into it right <laughs> now, you know? That's great. And that's why I'm not happy. That's yeah. Great. All right. I love so, it. So uh, let's uh, it. turn the uh, house lights up, and let's get some questions for our guest.
1: All right. Uh, let's get things started. So you're teaching, you teach level A at yeah. Second City. Uh, a through E. A through E. But so if you get in a level A class, and there's somebody who's particularly jaded towards the class or towards improv in general, how do you approach teaching that person?
0: Uh, wow. Um, I don't know gosh, I don't know if I've necessarily uh met that person that's so jaded that took an improv class just to be meh like what you know, are they being forced to, to do it? Um um I think what 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 I come into contact with a lot more is um the people who have been told that they're funny and they're gonna crack jokes and they're gonna uh crack dirty jokes, you know. Um I, I, there's a couple speeches up at the top that I, I will give about going blue, about like, you know, play to the top of your intelligence, don't just do dirty stuff for shock value, because it generally does not help the scene at all, and, um, and sometimes puts your, uh, your scene partner in a bad position, but also uh, the jokiness of it. It's sometimes hard, there's some people that are wired that way, that have to, uh, set up jokes and do punchlines, puns, plays on words. Um, uh, that I'll, you know, I'm like, yeah. If you hear, if you ever hear that voice in your head that says, "Hey, say this. This will be funny." By that time, it's already stale. It's already lame. The audience knows that you're desperate, and you're just going for some lame joke. Um, by the time it comes out of your mouth, and I think, I think, you know, certainly. Uh, performing at I/O uh, taught me that. You know, I'd go like da 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 da. da. Hey, and then you go, burr, burr, burr. you go like, oh, that silence is brutal. Uh, so I, um, yeah, I think you, you definitely learn that way. Great. Let's take another oh. question. Yeah. Uh, hey. Um, Hi. You mentioned that getting older uh, helped you sort of with your perspective in terms of where you're at versus where other people are at. So. Uh, being in the position that you're in now, how do you think of, of yourself as a comedian and, and, and you know, what, what, what do you want to do, what's left to do, uh, what, what keeps you going? Yeah, I, I um I think, uh, to me, I, I, I still am keeping three things in order where I want to be a, a teacher, a performer, and a student. Like that little triangle makes all the other things um, stronger, and I think being a student is the tougher thing to maintain for for me, but I but I try to, and um, uh, it I don't know it, it I don't, makes I it, uh, gives me the perspective of uh, I'm still on this this road this journey because you went this you constant went constant quest
2: you went and ex- uh, didn't mean to run no, you, no, no. you went and took classes at the annoyance two years ago
0: yeah and it was was terrifying. I was terrified. It was it was absurd. I, I circled the block twice, you know, and was like, oh, "What am I doing here?" You ever do that? Look at yourself in the mirror. And you're like, what are you doing? Why would you do this to yourself? Uh, but um, but it was great. It was great to uh, see how somebody else teaches. Be a student in that position. Uh, I I was telling my uh, I've. Twin uh, eleven-year-old daughters, and I was like, "Oh, you know, I'm going to be taking this class um, on Sunday nights, so you know, I'm kind of going to be doing that on Sunday nights." And uh, um, you know, and I'm not there. I'm not there to to judge the class. I'm just there to take it. I'm not there to judge. And I heard a little voice in the back as I'm driving, "But will you?" (laughs) I said. Yes. Can't help it. Can't take that away. Am I going to judge the teaching? Yeah, that can't help that. But uh I want to be uh I want to be a student of it. So I tend to think that there is so much more still to learn with an improv. Every every time I get new uh every every uh I don't know, every year, every uh quarter something pops up that I'm like, "Oh, I never thought of that. Never thought of it that way." And I think like uh uh like Susan Nessing, who was, you know, coming. Uh, I've never taken a workshop or class with her. I'd love to, you know, hear what she has to say. I'd, le- I'd love to hear what you have to say. I don't think I've, I've seen you teach. I, I know some of your message. I've read your book. Um, but uh, I, um, I think it's, it's just the constant quest. And, um, uh, and to continue to push myself to do stuff that I'm not comfortable with. This whole show I have coming up, the Reom, oh, the Reom Awards of Chicago to uh, benefit Alzheimer's research. So that's the other part of it. It it is a benefit show. Um, But it, uh, uh, yeah, I'm terrified of doing this thing, but um, you put enough cool people around you like Jimmy has with his staff, and uh, all these cool people help you and tell you you can do it. And uh, so I can't wait for it. Great. Let's take
2: another question. I've always wanted to be funny. Can, you, can a person learn to be funny? Can you teach somebody how to be funny?
0: Uh, yes, I think. I think you can. Um, it is um, letting go of the idea of wanting to be funny. Uh, I- if you're in an improv scene, it's um, just being real and uh, allowing Allowing some awkwardness, allowing some uh, doubt to happen, and sometimes just the natural reality of that stuff becomes funny. I think those were some of the first laughs I understood, that I didn't have to work at, to get a- at I O, where I-, I I reacted to something, whatever it was, and I was off stage, and I said to someone like, like, "What? Did I do something stupid? Did I say something stupid? Is my fly open? What the hell are they laughing at?" It's like, no, because you reacted to that. And I'm like. You know, Bing. just uh, be real. Be in the moment. Um, and repress those ideas of, of uh, hey, here's a joke, say it. I, I know, that it seems like terrible advice in a way. Uh, but um, as it applies to improv, it's just to not try to be funny. And that's probably going to be funny. When people try and do dramatic improv. I say try. I mean, yes, there are dramatic moment moments in dramatic improv, but there's stuff that you can't help. It will be funny. You know.
1: Great. Another question? Tom? Yeah. Hi. Hi. Um, my question was, getting back to Mark DeMott for a second, w- can you articulate, what, do you suppose, what did he mean when he told us to leave with a healthy ego? He would tell us this all the time in class. and I can never quite put a finger on it. What would you be What would taking? he say, Tom? Leave? To le- leave, a ego. leave? Leave with a healthy ego. Leave with a healthy ego. Yeah. I, I can never understand exactly what he meant by that. That
0: one. yeah I don't I, 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 I never heard him say that so uh, this is new but um, but I mean he was just he was nur- nurturing he was positive he seemed like he uh, I mean really when you think about it it seemed like he was more interested maybe less interested in us being good improvisers more interested in us feeling good about ourselves it felt like uh, was it Stuart Smalley you know like you look in your look in the mirror and like yourself and doggone it, people like me and and uh, um i just I just felt uh, uh that is probably the opposite of of what Jimmy does to some extent what I do a little bit of of you know beating yourself up about uh bad things and what Rachel Mason says uh that happened it's gone it's who cares about it, it you know it doesn't follow you around it's done um uh Yeah, that that uh, I don't feel good about whatever you did. There's everything is valid, everything is worthy. Uh, Another question, right here. Yeah. First of all, I wanted to say if you haven't taken Jimmy's workshop, I
1: highly recommend it. I may do it. Transforming, absolutely transforming. Awesome.
0: Um, you know, you've talked about, talked about scales. You've talked about who's higher than whom
2: and what level, how to be successful. I haven't heard you talk about
0: passion for the game, passion for this work. And I wonder where you think it stands. You mean uh, with me personally or everywhere? Uh, um, uh, I mean, obviously, it is is—it's uh, so great in Chicago that you can, so much you can do. There, You do not have to, you know, you can be told no. And, you know, think of anybody who's on, main stage or in Torco, they have auditioned for that several times and uh, been turned away and found other places to continue to do fun things with fun people. And maybe though maybe maybe there are enough people that have been told no and then say, okay, screw it, I'm not gonna be in Second City. I'm gonna but I'm gonna do this at the playground. I'm gonna do this at uh, comedy sports and uh, stay in the game. So it just seems like as a city, as a as a improv community that speaks to this overall passion. Um, for me, I think, uh, I, you know, uh, uh, again, I, I need to take more pages out of DeMott's book. Of uh, There's so many other things that I beat myself up about where I'm like, oh, I'm not so good at that, I'm not so good at that, I'm not so good at that. But there's one thing that I, that I realized uh, in la- the last few years. It's like, no, you know what? I'm good at improv teaching. I'm damn good at it, and I'm okay with saying that. And uh, um, and it, it's, 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 it's just it's fun to share. And I, I gave this example to, to Jimmy the other day that um, I found out a buddy of mine hadn't seen Animal House one time. Like, what? What? Tomorrow, noon, come over to my house. We'll have snacks. We're watching Animal House. Why do I want to do that? Why do we all feel that way? Because like I get to watch it through his eyes, or sometimes where scenes are going on, I'm looking at him, you know. Because you know, and, and and then he finds new things in that movie that I'm like, I never thought of it that way. Yes, you know. Um, so in improv, there's a lot of times where in, in level A, somebody will say something I'll go like, "I never thought of it that way. That is brilliant." So it is constantly being, uh, it's at the constant quest. There's a there's a carrot that I'm never gonna get. And that is cool. When you get it, who cares? <laughs> then what? Um, yeah. I, and, I, 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 and as far as, as far as the hierarchy, I think everybody's looking up at somebody else. You know, there's uh, if if you know you get there. Do you think Keckner is exactly? I mean, he's a happy. Well, there's guy. a
2: great story that Keckner told me okay. when I interviewed him, and I, I probably have repeated this five or six times, but I, I, it just blows my mind. When they did Anchorman one. Uh, Dave would go home, and uh, he would he would tell his wife, he's like, Carell's stealing the movie from me. <laughs> uh, uh, Paul Rudd's stealing the movie from me. Will Ferrell's stealing the movie from me. And then, like, two weeks later, they're all in the trailer, and they all confess to each other that they go home and tell their wives <laughs> the same damn thing. Right. And, and
1: right. go to that Absolutely. episode.
2: I think it's the first one that we, we aired with Kechner. There's two of them. But I was just like, to me, that was like, it was just amazing. It doesn't right. matter where you are. You're, either, you're in your head, because the hierarchy is in your head. It's always it's always there. Right. we got to wrap this up. Cool. But before oh, we go, I just want to ask you, uh, and I love to ask this, what's one piece of advice you'd give somebody starting out in improv today?
0: Uh, I, I don't know. P- follow the path. Uh, uh, st- stay in the moment. Uh, th- th- that it's all... Uh, It's all playing with your friends. Like, if you can block out all the stuff that is, um, I don't know, your aspirations, you know, if you can have fun now, the rest of it kind of takes care of itself. Um, I used to think of that in my, you know, uh, uh, pre-married days, you know? Like, how do do you you meet women? What do you do? How do you do it? Hey, ladies. (laughs) No, no, you know what? You know what you do? You go to the bar with your buddy, and you have the best time you can with your buddy. And sometimes, somebody will be there and want to be near that energy. And, um, uh, and I, I tend to think that you know, if you just go and, and uh, have fun as an improviser, um, good things come of it. If you, sometimes if you think too much, uh, it makes it tougher. Kevin Reom, thank you for being our guest. Yeah.
2: And thank you. And there you have it. Another episode of Improv Nerd is in the can. I want to thank our guest, Kevin Riome, And I love that story he told about Amy Poehler and going to the movies with her. It was just beautiful. Uh, I want to thank my producer here, Dan Schiffmacher, and I want to thank my assistant, Chloe Fitzpatrick. And as always, I want to thank the good people at Stage 773 here in Chicago. They're the people who treat us like such rock stars. Uh, if you want more information about me, Jimmy Corine, and my award-winning classes, the Artist Low Comedy, and my Improv Nerd blog, subscribe to the newsletter. You will get a blog every week that will make you a better improviser and a better person. The person part is up to you. Also, you know, we're taking over social media. We're doing it one piece at a time. And the first piece is go to Facebook and like Improv Nerd, uh, our our Facebook page. It really helps with my low self-esteem. Follow us on Twitter, improv underscore nerd, and then subscribe to our YouTube channel. YouTube channel. I can't even say that. YouTube channel. Also, we're on Feral Audio. We are not alone on Feral Audio because it is a wonderful, um, I was going to say improv, but it is a wonderful podcast collective. So check out the wonderful and innovative podcast on feralaudio.com. I want to thank our sponsor, Pan Theater in Oakland. All you have to do is go to pantheater.com to get all the information about Pan Theater and their shows and their classes. And especially, I want to thank you for listening. And until next time, remember, walk, don't run.
1: Hello.